Specialty Stories is part of the MedEd Media Network at MEDEDmedia.com. Don't forget to check out our newest member of the MedEd Media Network, the Shortcoat Podcast, over at theshortcoat.com. This is Specialty Stories, session number 13. Whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Now, welcome to the Specialty Stories Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I am your host here, as well as the host of many other shows on the MedEd Media Network. Again, that's mededmedia.com, M-E-D-E-D, media.com. This week, I have a physiatrist that I'm going to be speaking to, somebody that Allison and I went to medical school with, Dr. Chris Saylor. And he's going to talk all about physiatry as a community-based physiatrist. I'm Chris Saylor, and I'm a physiatrist. Now, are you a community physiatrist or academic physiatrist? So I'm a community physiatrist. I do all of my work outpatient as part of a private practice. And how long have you been practicing? About two and a half years now. Now go ahead and just for for clarification, you are saying physiatrist, not psychiatrist, correct? Can you explain that a little bit more? That's big, big difference and a question I get quite frequently. So um, a physiatrist is, uh, in, the way, in, in my scope of, of the field, is essentially a non-operative musculoskeletal physician, um, you know, working with uh, anything from muscle tendon problems, bone problems, joint problems, nerve problems, you know, working up with diagnosis and then treatment kind of through all non-operative you know, measures, whether it's medicines, different types of therapies, injections, helping to direct management that way. I've heard it in, in lay terms being called a, a non-operative orthopedic surgeon. Is that about right? It, yeah, it, it's similar. And some of the other um, cool parts of the field is we definitely get some good training with neurology as well. Uh, and we work a lot you know, very closely with physical therapists. So, you know, definitely a different um, perspective on some of the common orthopedic problems that you may see. And one of the other big distinctions I think that physiatry focuses on is the functionality. So not just, all right, what do you have? What's your pain? But how does that impact, you know, your activities of daily living or your sports? And, you know, we have a lot of different um, ways to help patients um, get back to uh, increased functionality as well as tr- help, helping to treat your pain. Now, physiatry also goes by a different name. Why, why is there another name for it? What do you mean, like rehab medicine or physical medicine? Yeah. Rehabilitation? Um, that, that is a great <laughs> question. Um, to be honest, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, the field's been around for a while and it's kind of evolved over time. And I think the largest part of the field at this point and the certainly the part that's growing the most um you know the quickest is the part of the physiatry that i'm involved with so kind of the community musculoskeletal 
um, you know, physiatrists. And that part is, I think, is really exploding. And that's where I think you're going to hear um, more about the field and how it's how it's really growing. Um, but yeah, as far as the origins and all the other names, uh, you know, I still struggle sometimes, cut, you know, coming up with those answers. <laughs> so, so rehab medicine is one, and then PMNR, physical medicine and rehabilitation, is the other. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be kind of the full formal title. But you know, sometimes with the, if the title doesn't tell you the answer, <laughs> you know, you just come up with some other explanation. So even physiatrists sometimes is, um, you know, people ask what it is. So. Um, you got to come up with different ways to kind of ex- you know explain explain what you do. Um, so PM and R, uh, unless you're in the medical field, I don't think it's all that helpful. So I'll say physiatrist or non-operative musculoskeletal you know physician or you know ser- variations of that. <laughs> Just a, a overall cool guy. That's that's how it should that, go. That's right. All right. When did you know you wanted to be a physiatrist? Yeah. So. I grew up playing sports. I was always interested in, you know, you know, the body, my own mechanics and everything like that. So really, I didn't know anything about the field and you get into medical school and I'm like, okay, obviously the only thing available is orthopedics, you know? So once I got into second year, I just heard some third and fourth year medical students talk about physiatry. They sent out some emails and, uh, you know, just starting to talk to them a little bit about the field. So I just, you know, learned about it for the first time, second year of medical school. And after just talking with some of the third and fourth years, I actually got a chance to do um, both an orthopedic surgery rotation as well as physiatry rotation by the end of third year medical school and got a good comparison of, of the two. Um, so really, it was fourth year of medical school when I was just comparing the two fields because they both offered a lot of what I wanted, you know, getting involved in sports medicine and, you know, helping people, you know, with with their bodies, whether it's their pain, functionality or, or their performance. And physiatry really allowed me to get involved with the, you know, patients and um, things that I wanted to to see in my practice. What do you think was the reason physiatry over orthopedic surgery? Um, it was a, a couple of reasons. One is, I, to be honest, I didn't love the OR. I, I had fun there. Um, but I think if you talk to any surgeon, they, you know, they love being in the OR and they love that in, environment. And I just, it just wasn't, you know, catching me as much as I, I knew it really should be to dedicate that much um, to that. So that was definitely one deciding factor. And the other, like I was speaking about earlier, just the diversity and the way we approach the patient and having some more background from the neuro- neurology standpoint and really working on biomechanics and the, uh, you know, the, the anatomy and physiology and how that may play into treating the patient. So, you know, making gait alterations on how somebody runs, you know, helping their back pain or, or doing other things that I think are very interesting, um, you know, for me. And physiatry really allowed me to explore um, those interests of mine. What traits do you think lead to being a good physiatrist? Um, I, I, I definitely have not met many physiatrists that don't enjoy just being around people, talking, um, you know, being, you know, enjoying that social interaction and, and, um, 
you know, you, you get certain personalities. Sometimes people are like, yeah, the, the surgeons are all mean and, you know, want to spend two seconds with the patient or, or whatever. But physiatry, I think we enjoy spending time with the patients, really digging deep into, you know, into, you know, their problems and, and really, you know, spending that time. So, you know, having full dedicated office hours to work with the patients and not spending half of my time in the OR. So I think just that very personable, um, you know, personable personality for lack of a better term to, uh, um, is, is probably the most common trait that I'll, that I'll see. Describe a typical day. Um, so usually I am in the office, you know, kind of standard business hours, you know, in the office from eight, you know, seeing patients from eight to about five, uh, I'd say about 60 to 70% of my time is just seeing new patients or follow-ups. Um, with my specialty, I also do a lot of injections. So I use ultrasound guidance for a number of peripheral injections, whether it's tendons or joints, things like that. I also use um, x-ray guidance or fluoroscopy for spinal injections, including epidural injections, things like that. Uh, I also spend about a half a day per week doing EMG or nerve conduction studies. Um, so things are split up like that. And again, just in the office, business hours, Monday through Friday, uh, not taking any call on weekends or weekdays. Uh, so pretty standard business hours. What types of patients do you treat? Um, a lot of it is, again, general musculoskeletal. I'd say about half of my practice has various spinal-related pain, and the other half is kind of mixed through the rest of the body. Um, I am also, I did a fellowship in sports medicine, so I am board certified in sports medicine. So anywhere between 10 to 25% of a given week is seeing athletes with, you know, various things, whether it's the simple ankle sprain or knee injury, um, things like that. And I'll also see some neurologic injuries. So, you know, specifically peripheral nerve problems and, you know, drop foot and things like that. So helping to diagnose and manage those things. So a a non-standard question for you because you brought up pain management stuff and the the state of our healthcare system and opioid crisis in this country. How much of that do you deal with on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think the fortunate thing, whether it's due to where I practice or the reputation of our group or just the way that I practice along with other physicians, we have a lot of similar mindsets. Um, It's not a major problem um, because when we see new patients with these problems, uh, I I feel we know how to appropriately use those medications when it is applicable. And it's all about patient education. So when a patient comes in and whether they ask for the medication or you think it's appropriate, you need to have a talk right off the bat about the medication, the risks and benefit why it's appropriate or why it's not appropriate and set very specific treatment guidelines and say, we're using this medication for this particular reason and this will either be the duration or this is our goal with this. And usually I have the discussion, if I'm going to give them any, any kind of medication like that, we just explain this is being used in conjunction with these other therapies. So it's just a part of it 
and it's not a permanent part of, of the treatment. So it's really patient education and the onus falls on the physician to do that right off the bat. Um, so I think that that's the most important part. So when you set that precedent, I, I feel like a lot of these problems don't necessarily become problems. So I, I think that's the way that I handle it. I think I've been pretty fortunate um, to not really be concerned with a lot of the, the patients that I deal with just because I'm very open with that initial discussion. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel you your work-life balance is? I think with physiatry, that's that's one of the best parts of the field too. Um, and again, some physiatrists will have to take some various forms of, of call, but again, it's not like I'm getting called in the middle of the night to go see a trauma in the emergency room. I think it's one of the best fields with regard with you know regards to the work and um, you know lifestyle balance. Again, I'm working for the most part, standard business hours. And, um, you know, I, I have two kids at home. I'm able to get home, give everybody dinner. We do baths, spend time with them on weekends. So th- there's great flexibility with the with the work, um, you know, to, to adjust the schedule with a young family here. Um, so I, I, I love it. it. It's perfect for me. What does the residency path look like for physiatry? So the the training after medical school, you do a one-year internship through medicine. So you'll have a prelim uh, medicine internship, and then you'll have a three-year residency program. And that residency will be split up between some inpatient um, you know, conditions, spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, and a few other things. And the other parts of that will be outpatient management, including a lot of the musculoskeletal um, you know, training. I also went into, as I said, sports medicine fellowship, and there's another other fellowships, whether it is the brain injury, uh, neuromuscular, so pain management, uh, a lot of different fields. You can even get into palliative care. It's a lot of options even after the three years of residency. So just for, for clarification, if you're listening and don't understand that prelim year, so so, Chris, you you said you did a prelim medicine year. Can you do a surgery or a transitional? Does it have to be a medicine year? No, you, it, that that's a good point. You can do surgery or transitional year. Okay. In, yeah, or the the medicine prelim year. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, just for for clarification, I, I get this question a lot. If so, prelim year as you're as you're applying for residencies, you're applying basically to two residencies. In, in air quotes residencies, the, the one is your one-year internship and then the other is going to be your three-year physiatry. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, that, that I th- and that's the majority of the time. I think there are a few programs where you may be accepted to the prelim at that hospital knowing to transition mm-hmm. um, to the uh, PM&R residency program. But okay. the majority of the time, yeah, it's equivalent to applying to two programs. Okay. Is matching hard? It's, at least classically, I mean, I don't know in the last couple of years, but it's uh, one of the easier, I think, specialties to match in. Again, but, you know, it all depends on what programs you are looking to get into. I think that more, you know, people learn about the field, 
everything that it has to offer, I have heard more and more interest. So I think it is becoming a little bit more difficult to match into. Um, you know, for the first time, I was talking to my old program director maybe a couple of years ago, and for the first time, PM&R had U.S. applicants that didn't get in to PM&R programs. Um, so it is becoming more competitive, but it's certainly not as competitive as some of, the, I think, the classic you know, dermatology, orthopedics, or, or things like that. And back when you applied, obviously, a couple of years ago, what do you think made a competitive applicant for the bigger programs? Good question. Um, it, number one, I, I, I think any applicant in any field, just knowing yourself. So again, with physiatry, not a lot of people knowing about the field. When you when you apply, you, you want the program directors in that program to know that you understand the field and that you're going into the field because you are interested in what it has to offer. Um, so again, for me, I'm like, I love biomechanics. I could talk about, you know, neuromodulation and like all this stuff <laughs> all day long. So, you know, f- for me, that was kind of an, an easy sell. I'm like, this is a great field, you know, for me, I can get a lot out of this and I feel like I can bring a lot to the field. Um, so it's really knowing what physiatry is and why that fits for you personally and intellectually. So if you can convey that, uh, that I think is the most important thing you can do. Cool. Now, a lot of what you've been talking about, it seems to me that osteopathic physicians could make great physiatrists because they talk about um, treating the whole body and and the manipulation that they learn and just understanding how everything works together. Do you, do you see any bias towards DOs uh, or against DOs in physiatry? Um, I, I think physiatry is very accepting of DOs. I would say out of any specialty, of course, I, um, I may be biased just being in the field, but I think there's more DOs in physiatry than probably um, more of a concentration of DOs than any other specialty. So very accepting and kind of embraces that. Even through residency, we would have some of the DOs give you know, talks about, again, how they may approach the patient, um, you know, maybe differently than, um, you know, your standard MD and some of the other techniques that they use to to treat patients that, you know, standard MD training wouldn't give you. So, again, that's where the diversity of, into the approach to a patient, you know, caught my eye. You know, so so it's very interest you know interesting from that standpoint. So I think very very accepting of of DOs, um, absolutely. You talked about it a little bit before, but can you go over one more time the opportunities to subspecialize as a physiatrist? Yeah. So again, I think the most rapidly growing part of it is getting into this outpatient kind of musculoskeletal care. Um, it, it, you can just go through residency. And then, you know, uh, get a job straight out of residency doing that. Um, I chose to do an accredited sports medicine fellowship, just adding additional training um, onto that. Uh, A lot of people go into pain management uh, fellowships. A lot of those can be run either through physiatry, but oftentimes anesthesia pain fellowships accept physiatry 
residents, and many of them are are very excited to get physiatry residents because again we bring something different to the table, and often can teach the anesthesiologist you know something. Um, there are spinal cord injury fellowships, traumatic brain injury fellowships uh, that oftentimes you know goes along with um, you know stroke, like uh, palliative care. Um, is another one that I think is growing in popularity from physiatrists. Um, I think those are kind of the the main uh, subspecialties that people are getting into. And are those fellowships usually a year long? Or are they longer? Yeah, um, most of the standard fellowships are, are one year. It'd be pretty rare um, to have anything longer than that, unless it's on some specific uh, academic research track. But typically, you're just going to have a one-year fellowship. Okay. What do boards look like for physiatry? So we have uh, the standard written, but there is, as, as of when I took them, there was also an oral uh, exam as well. Um, I, I think pretty similar to um, maybe some of the steps where the written, I think, was more challenging. Um, and then the oral, uh, you know, I feel most people were prepared, prepared for and had a pretty high passing rate. Um, so I wasn't quite as concerned with that, but yeah, right, as of right now, there is both written and oral. Okay. What do you wish primary care physicians knew about physiatry to make your job easier? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's still, and it, this may be regional. Um, I feel like it's on the physiatrist to educate the primary care physicians on what we do and what we have to offer. So I don't necessarily need anything different from them. One thing that we do in our area is we have our physicians in our group go out and meet the primary care physicians in the community and just tell them, okay, this is who I am and this is this is what I do. Um, so I think the onus is really on me to educate um, on what I do and, and how the primary care physicians can, you know, best help me and I can best help them. So I think anybody getting into their practice, you know, in the first few years, you got to meet who you're going to be working with and sharing patients with and talking to them about your interests, your expertise, and that will kind of take care of any of the problems you may have with any of the referrals. Um, but I, I think if you just want to generalize the question, um, you know, just, just knowing that we can handle, you know, most orthopedic or even kind of peripheral nervous system problems. And, you know, if we can't handle it, we kind of know the appropriate triage and when to consult, you know, whether it's neurosurgeons, orthopedic surgeons, and uh, get it into that kind of that tertiary care if needed. What other specialties do you work closest with? Um, so my group's comprised of orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, and physiatrists. Um, so I'm mostly, I'm most closely working with orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons. Um, a lot of the, the the other physiatrists in the group, uh, we don't share as many patients, but we do continue to have conferences and we'll bounce ideas off each other, things like that. So um, those are kind of the, the the specialties I'm working with mostly. Are there any special opportunities outside of clinical medicine for physiatrists? Yeah. So, yeah. So with, you know, uh, with sports medicine, yeah. So that's whether it's in the training room, game coverage, seeing athletes, um, you know, that's, that's all been part of my training. And 
on-site participation, whether it's football games, you know, the mar- marathons, all these different events. There are um, plenty of plenty of needs that physiatrists can get involved with too. What do you wish you knew then, going into physiatry that you know now? Just the reassurance that this is what you want it to be. <laughs> You know, because even once you make the decision, it's it's like, well, you're making a lifelong decision, and when when you think about it, sometimes you're like, well, I have, you know, one month of experience to extrapolate what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Um, you know, so you're you're trying to make an edu- educated decision, but um, you know, you're, you're there's still a little bit of uncertainty, but you know, it was everything that I thought it would be, and and uh, you know, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me and it, and it's just been it's been great so i would just reassure myself and say just you're making the right decision and just go for it what do you like the most about being a physiatrist um i i, I would say when you are able to educate the patient and you, you know whether you you cure them or not you educate them and that light bulb you know goes off and they finally get you know what they have, how to get better, and and really, it's it's that education that I find most rewarding, because I think those patients end up doing better, and but I think that that's our job. So for me, that's the most rewarding when when you can teach people about their body, because I think it's so interesting. But when you can teach them about their body, you know what's potentially going wrong, but how to make make it better, and coming up with a plan together with them, and when they understand that, I think it's very very rewarding. On the flip side, what do you like the least? Uh, the administrative stuff, the insurance stuff, the documentation, <laughs> uh, you know, billing, coding. You know, all the all, all the normal the, doctor stuff. All the normal doctor stuff that you, you can't get away from. So, you know, it's important to know it because then it takes you know some of the teeth out of the bite. Um, but it it's a necessary evil, so I, I understand that. But you know, certainly, that's the least fun part of the job—just having to to take care of all that. Whether it's technology or treatments or anything else, do you see any major changes coming to the field? I think one of the one of the newer parts of the field that kind of have the most promise uh, is regenerative medicine. Um, so regenerative medicine is this, you know, kind of multidisciplinary medical field, having to deal with biologics. So, you know, if you heard about stem cell treatments, PRP, different growth factors, all these different things that you know kind of occur naturally, trying to find ways where the body can heal itself. So, kind of a different different than it's been done before instead of just taking like a steroid and injecting it trying to reduce inflammation we're taking a lot of these different treatments and trying to get the body to to heal when it wasn't able to do that before so i really think that that's growing and you'll continue to hear more and more about that and i think it might be one of those things where in in 20 years we're going to look back and 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 say to each other you know can we can you believe that we were doing this 20 years ago? Can you believe that we were putting steroids in people's tendons or things, things like that? So I think that that's what we're on the verge of kind of in, in some of the outpatient, non-operative musculoskeletal care. 
Okay. I think I know the answer to this, but if you had to do it all over again, would you choose the same specialty? Absolutely. <laughs> Any last words of wisdoms for, for those thinking about going into physiatry? Um, yeah, it, you know, again, it's, it's a very you know, diverse field, and the field embraces a diversity of, of thoughts and, and different approaches, and we're always open to, to new ideas on, on how to help people in, in a number of different ways. Um, so, I mean, anybody kind of interested in, in some of the you know, things I was talking about, I mean, it, it's it's just a great way to explore kind of the human body in, in a little bit different way than a lot of other residency trainings may may take you through. Um, so, you know, if you're interested, I think the best way to find out if it's for you is to get in there. So find a physiatrist, whether it's through school or in the community, and talk to them, sit down with them. And try to spend some time with them and their day-to-day um, activities. See the patients that they're seeing. See how they treat the patients, um, because that I think is really what what'll kind of grab you. So, um, you know, definitely get in there and, and see see what we do. All right, so there you have it. Physiatry, not to be confused with psychiatry. Physiatry, also known as rehab medicine, also known as physical medicine and rehabilitation, also known as PM&R. So there are lots of names for physiatry, and I hope that Chris was able to clarify some of the the things about physiatry. If you are interested in going into it, or maybe you weren't and now you are, go back and take another listen and hopefully get a clearer and better understanding of what a community-based physiatrist does. If you have any thoughts about a specialty you want me to cover here on the Specialty Stories podcast, shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Better yet, if you have somebody that you would like me to interview, I would be grateful for you to pass along a name to me. I hope you have a great week. I hope these podcasts are helping you on your journey to choosing your medical specialty. Don't forget to leave us a rating interview in iTunes if you haven't done so yet. Or better yet, just share this with a classmate or a friend. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week here at Specialty Stories and the MedEd Media Network.